Good morning. Hey, everyone. We're going to get started. Let's give a quick round of applause to the sound team for doing things super quickly. We're glad you're here. Thanks for being patient with us. And we're going to get going. And, and the most important thing is that we're all here. And hopefully we're not going to basically look outside and see it should be a sunny day. But the good things are not going to get rained on. So we at least made sure of that. The first announcement we have is sound team. We still want people to be the heroes like today that made things possible in like a very short amount of time. So please talk to Josh Caperton after church if you'd be willing to learn and help with that. We've got about two people, I think, who've responded to that. But we're going to be soon needing a lot more uh, hands for the sound team. So let's help them out and help our whole, whole community be able to hear each other, be able to have the recordings for the podcast, all that kind of stuff that's pretty important for our Sunday morning gatherings. <clears throat> The marriage seminar is the third one's happening on June 5th at 3 p.m. This is the one I've talked about that's going to be a little more special. We have an outside um, professional intimacy and sex consultant counselor that's going to be speaking. That's on June 5th. It's Jennifer Conzen, if you all have ever heard of her. June 5th, 3 p.m. on Zoom. We have all that information at DentonNorthChurch.com slash marriage. So make sure to check that out. Yes, it will be recorded, but we, we can't publish it out in the same way we have in the past because that is her doing these kind of seminars or her livelihood. So it's not going to be as accessible. We're going to record it, and we're not yet sure how we can share that. And so just plan on being there and know that for archive purposes, in case we, <laughs> that we do have a recording, but we're just not really, we haven't figured out how we can even use it yet. That makes sense. So don't let that be your plan A, is what I'm trying to say. Good question, though. Um, the COVID survey is still going on. We're going to share the results of that very soon. But if you're one of the few people who has not yet responded to that about how we're going to handle meeting over the summer, please go fill that out. That is at DentonNorthChurch.com slash Leslie Fan Club or slash COVID. Um, the LTGs, we've got that all done, and we'll publish that out soon so you can look at the list of people who are available and text and get together and group up. So that's all, all done. Thanks for your patience on that. For a while, there wasn't a lot of people, but now you guys have responded. So plenty of people on that list will be sending that out in the newsletter this week and posting on a Facebook group, and it'll also be on our website at dentonnorthchurch.com slash discipleship. Um, the, there's going to be a men's hangout next Sunday after church. It's going to be BYO meat. Tong is going to be grilling up a storm. So bring whatever meat you want, um, as long as it's not human, I think is the only rule that it, we have uh, that I'm aware of. So don't try anything like that. Maybe not snake, too, just in case. But that's going to be next week at my house at noon, which is, I'll, I'll, we'll post the, the address out in the newsletter, but it's 2915 Bristol Street, if you're a note taker. Um, and Tong's kind of in charge of that, even though it's at my house. So if you have questions during the week, talk to Tong. I will be there, but I don't know everything. So I'm just going to be watching and making sure that no one's bringing human meat. I'll be testing that. So um, Then there's the all-church hangout on June 12th from 5 to 7 at South Lakes Park Pavilion. That is something that we, we, we used to do these a little more often, but this is something that we obviously have not had a chance to all hang out in a while other than on Sunday morning gatherings. So make this a priority because this is like a great time to just get relational time, have a little more chance to mingle with people that maybe you don't recognize that have come to our church at some point in the past like year. 
but we haven't, you know, we don't get as easy of a time to, to mingle and stuff like that on Sunday mornings, especially when we were on Zoom. So make that a priority to come to that because these kinds of things are things that are just great to, to relate and, and be closer uh, as a body beyond just like the 15 minutes we get to mingle at church on Sundays or the people that are already in your life, in your small group or that you already hang out with. This is a really important thing that we want to be doing more of now that things are starting to get a little bit better. Things are getting nicer outside. So um, please come to that. Again, that's June 12th, 5 to 7, South Lakes Park. We'll have some games and stuff. Uh, you can bring your own games too if you'd like, but we'll have some yard games. And um, I think that is it. Well, good morning and good to see all of you in this building. This is a nice uh, departure from what we don't really do, although I kind of like the noise and stuff of outside. It sort of um, I don't know, balances out since we're kind of a quiet group a lot of days. Uh, thankfully, and everyone say hi to Kike. Say hi, Kike. Hi, Kike. He, uh, he balances us out quite a bit um, by uh, just lifting us into louder noises and make sure to say hi to him and watch him as he's, you know, running around in his energy. And some of us, we need to match that energy a little bit maybe on Sunday mornings. That would be pretty great. You know, I know we've been doing some things that are alternative to singing uh, because uh, we've been confined, but we're going to start doing more of that as we have this space. And so I uh, also just want to thank the worship team for doing really a thoughtful job each week, um, despite the challenges of COVID, and that we'll have a new team starting up uh, in August. And so if that's something that you want to participate in, that would be great. And we welcome you to do that. All right, so we don't have a lot of time left, and I wanted to um, take some time to have a little bit of a discussion slash question, answer, respond, whatever time at the end. So I'm going to move through this somewhat uh, quickly, although we have kind of a couple of uh, sort of staff announcement type things. Um, the first one is, we haven't done this in a couple years, but we're going to do a special contribution over the course of the next couple weeks. And I know we haven't let you know that in advance. Uh, the reason for this is one that we are, uh, we've picked up Josh's salary, as many of you know. Uh, some of you have heard, some of you haven't. We're going to bring Garrett on for a year, uh, just a one-year commitment starting in July. Um, I know that seems a little bit strange, considering we're in the middle of uh, talking about our staff becoming less white, and we're bringing on another white guy, um, but I'll explain that in a moment. Um, Garrett really has a heart to do and transfer uh, kind of into adult ministry, and we want to take advantage of that, particularly because this next year, I'm taking on the cohort full-time, and we'll be going off paid staff, kind of, and the cohort will be paying my staff, and so in order for us to work as much as Leslie works, it'll take Garrett, Josh, and myself. Uh, and so we're going to just kind of uh, have a one-year commitment with him. That'll be an interesting thing. Poor Leslie has to work with three young guys um, but, uh, and two Davises at that. It's going to be pretty interesting. So Garrett will help take off some of the preaching load. He's going to help with our focus teams um, and do a variety of other things. Um, and so that'll be exciting, but that's part of the reason we're doing a special contribution. We haven't done this in years, and this is just an opportunity to give some more than you normally do so that we can make sure that, uh, you know, we cover our expenses. We always operate in the black, never in the red, um, for the most part, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so just be thinking about that this next couple of weeks. If you have questions, uh, normally we would talk a little bit about our finances, um, but we've done that within the last year, and so you're welcome to access that if you need to. Uh, also, I'm going to take a sabbatical for two months, all right, which means that I'm not going to be doing anything ministry related for two full months in June and July. Um, it's about time for me mentally, uh, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically to just take a break, 
Um, and I've thought about this, prayed about it, asked a variety of other people. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it's just going to be a good opportunity. I uh, have been doing ministry here for about seven and a half years. And so I'm just going to take two months off. Okay, no worries, just two months off. And so I'll still be here, you know, on Sunday mornings, but won't we really be planning anything or going to our staff meetings or senior staff or any of those things? So obviously, if you still need me, I'm still, I'm not going to let go. Uh, sabbatical is not a hibernation. I'm not going to go and be antisocial, at least not any more antisocial than I normally am. And uh, so I'm still available and will be around. But you will see uh, Garrett, Josh, and Leslie up here uh, for the summer, and I will not. All right? So any questions about that, you can always ask us why we make certain decisions. Um, you know, that's we're open book in terms of those things. All right, so this race and ethnicity survey. Uh, hopefully, um, by now, all of you have gotten to see either the survey itself or the results. I've posted a high-level summary of the results on our Facebook page. Um, this topic is one we're going to continue to talk about and address. Uh, it opens up uh, some, you know, wounds, and it's painful, and it's conflicting, and it's challenging. But remember, the scripture is chock full of different authors talking about uh, these same exact kind of issues. Not so much always in the frame of race and ethnicity, but more so in terms of nationality, different religious backgrounds in terms of Jewish and Gentile, and just different status positions. This is a major topic in the scripture, and as such, we're not going to shy away from that. And so we're going to keep talking about it, even though I will say, as someone who studied sociology for a while, at least sees themselves as decently well-informed, this topic still makes me somewhat nervous, and I don't get too nervous about talking about things. So I only wonder how other people in our church families who are trying to lead you guys feel about trying to talk about this. But as everything uh, that we do, hopefully you give your leaders a lot of grace uh, and you have a lot of humility in how we talk about some of these, these issues, uh, while at the same time holding people accountable for the authoritative positions that they're in. Uh, and that's very important. You know, when we look back to kind of Paul and Paul's teaching, Paul did not shy away from pointing out that there were certain people who had access okay, to certain backgrounds and structures that other people didn't. He constantly was telling slaves, for instance, or women, uh, or, you know, Gentiles versus Jews, based on their kind of understanding of the world, that there were going to have to be some accommodations, and people around them were going to have to look at these various uh, status positions and act accordingly, understanding that they had privileges that others don't. Read through 1 Corinthians. This is really what's going on throughout the book, is rich Christians are exploiting poor Christians, and Paul's saying, what what are you doing? Are you insane? This is not at all how the kingdom of God is supposed to look. It's supposed to look the opposite so that people on the outside recognize and glorify God for a God that does not show favoritism. And so for those of us who are particularly white Christians who still believe that there's no problems in our society with race and color and we want to turn a blind eye and be, you know, colorblind, you're missing the point that scripture and God understands the structures that we live in, and there are those of us who have advantages based on race and status that we have to understand. And while we all are under God, we are all, uh, you know, should act according to our faith, and these things are all important, our faith often depends on some of how we see ourselves in terms of our color, our upbringing, and all those things are brought in. And the idea that we would just ignore those or turn a blind eye to them is not at all in accordance with what God talks about in the scripture about taking us where we are 
and helping us get out of all of these identities while at the same time renewing those very identities. It's very interesting that throughout the scripture, and particularly in Revelation, there's not this one people group. It's the exact opposite. It's tribes and tongues and nations. These things that God created very much were for our good, and he intends to maintain them and bring them to fulfillment. Okay? So these are all important. So that's a challenge for some of us who see these issues as not important because they're not important to us. Or try to over-spiritualize Okay, uh, these very important structural issues in our society that affect us. Now, at the same time, we have to be very careful about the idea that somehow a white uh, pastor like myself can't speak into anybody's life except other white males. Paul certainly didn't take that route when he was talking very authoritatively to slaves and people who were not citizens, he was. And so if there's no ability for white preachers to speak into lives of people of color, then we've got a, another real issue that, again, doesn't align with Scripture. And so there's a balancing act with this. And it's one that we've just kind of got to figure out and be wise about and constantly, um, I think, look to other people of faith and not to the various political structures and worldly wisdom that we're inundated with every day. We've got to be very careful uh, about that. And so I say that, and I'm sure there's a lot of things you could argue, and we can talk about that um, at the end. But I want to talk through this survey, and hopefully you, you have this pulled up. If you don't, we didn't have enough time to kind of put this up here. But I just want to make some observations based uh, on the data itself and on the, all of the different uh, feedback that you've given. One of the things that we'll do when we create this uh, team that we don't know what the name of it's going to be, because they'll be able to name themselves. Right now we've got BIPOC, which is uh, not the best term for it, I don't think. Um, Bipoculas, yeah, that's, we've, uh, we've come up with a number of uh, things, or just poculas, you know, like, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, that team is going to take this research and read through it. Guys, it's a lot to read, okay? There's 54 responses now, and I'll tell you, I spent at least eight hours just tabulating these summary responses, much less the time I've gone and read through each of your comments, and while the comments, if you weren't looking at the data itself, range from here to there in every aspect, people who are like, how are they in the same room together <laughs> or a part of the same church? When you really look at the numbers and the data, we're a lot more similar uh, than we tend to think and then maybe uh, even our conversations lend themselves to. And so uh, I want to make some observations about that as we go. So this first one here. Uh, is basically just a, uh, oh, sorry, so DentonNorthChurch.com backslash survey, or forward slash survey. Yeah, everybody, we've had that conversation before. We won't go back through there. Yeah, that was, that was really a divisive time in our history. So, if you look at the demographics to this survey, the first here is the U.S. population versus our survey, and the Denton population versus our survey. Uh, we're, you know, we, we would, so 5.6% of our population in the U.S. were Asian, 4% of our survey was Asian. We would have needed like one more Asian person for that to have fit well. Now you see that with the Denton population, we were kind of right on. And when we're talking about this, what we're talking about is representative. One of the really important terms uh, when you're talking about um, sort of surveys and sociological stuff is you're trying to find a population that's representative of the people we have around us. 
okay? Whether it's a city, whether it's the U.S., we want them to be fairly representative. And we've been talking about our senior leadership. We want our senior leadership to be fairly representative of our church as a whole. And we'll get to some of that in, uh, in just a moment. Okay, so uh, black, the U.S. population of, of blacks is 13% versus 10% of our survey. We would have needed, again, 1.5 more black people to take our survey for it had been representative of our general population. However, the survey was uh, representative of our Denton population. Okay, 10% of uh, Denton, 10% of our survey. Uh, the one that I think is the most uh, kind of off here, and that I think this will affect a lot of our results as we read through them, was the, the Latino percentage of our survey uh, participants. 18% of our population and 25% of Denton's population are Latinos, and only 8% of our survey respondents were Latinos, okay? Uh, I changed that number down from 10 because someone took the, the deal twice. <laughs> That really messed up my results. Last night at about nine o'clock, I was you know, tabulating everything, and I'm like, oh my gosh, someone took this twice. And then I was like, it has to be Quincy. And then I went back, and nope, Quincy just did it once. So now there's somebody else, you know, that's taking our surveys twice. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah. So that one is going to really skew our data a lot. And so that way, I want to say that as I read through some of these by race. Uh, an ethnicity, uh, you could, should take the kind of Latino survey respondents here with a grain of salt uh, because it, it's not well represented in our church and in our community, okay? So what that means is that then we have maybe a specific population uh, that responded, but we don't have the kind of full breadth. And so we've got to be careful with how we, we make assessments of that. Um, we did have twice as many people who were mixed, okay, take our survey, versus our general population and our Denton population. And then white people, uh, we were overrepresented. I don't think anyone's too surprised by that. Uh, 60% of our population is white, 58% in Denton, 69% of our survey respondents, which means if we would have gotten rid of about four white people, we would have been uh, fairly representative. Uh, so there you go. And in terms of, of self-identifying here, guys, we had a couple people who were other, whatever that means, um, and uh, didn't want to. And one person didn't want to specify. Uh, although I was able to figure out through the responses who they were, so <laughs> I just tabulated them. If it was clearly obvious, then I did it. Um, but uh, yeah, this wasn't like super in depth and, and detailed in terms of making sure that you know uh, those racial categories were filled out right. Okay, so this first one here is racially ethnic, racially ethnically representative leadership in church is important to me. Uh, I'm less concerned here with looking at the overall data as I am breaking this down by racial and ethnic group. And so you can see there that uh, for um, the Asian uh, population in the survey, they were on a four in terms of agreement, 3.8 in terms of agreement, Latino four, mixed five, and whites 4.35. So this is important to us all, okay? Uh, somewhat interestingly, now, again, these are not significant differences, and significant differences when you do p-tests and all this statistic stuff, you know, um, that's, uh, yeah, we're not interested in that, right? I know you guys didn't want me. I, I almost did it, but I decided no one really wants to see whether these numbers were statistically significant or not. So I saved you from that. But you can look at this and see something kind of odd here, right? What this ultimately says at a basic level, and again, not assuming st anything statistically significant here, is that white people are most concerned in our church with racial and ethnic representation, and black people are least concerned, okay? So this is what happens when you get survey research. 
you start wondering, what is happening here? Like, why? why <laughs> how do you make sense of this? Now, again, one of the other things I want to remind you of is our survey, our in size was 54. So that's not huge, but it's pretty representative of our larger church, which, I mean, at our most, we probably have about 150. Of course, over COVID, that number has dropped you know, drastically to around 100. Um, but still, it's a fairly decent representation uh, of who we've got. Okay. So let me make a couple uh, statements or comments about this one, uh, particularly from some of the comments that were made. Uh, on the one hand, people mentioned this thing quite a bit, talking about spirituality is more important to us than someone's race and ethnicity. Guys, those aren't mutually exclusive. It's not an either or. We don't, you know, look and say, well, you know, we really care about spirituality and we don't look at racial and ethnic things. No, it's important to look at both. You don't have to be mutually exclusive. That's okay. Uh, the other thing that I think sort of balances that perspective out is people are just talking about, we really want people who can represent different life experiences and, um, and people in our church. Now, that's tricky too, because if we were going to have a representative staff, okay, for our church, we would have Leslie, Josh, myself. That's good. We'll have half of a black person, one Latino person, and one quarter of an Asian person you understand how it's difficult to be representative on a staff like ours, right? And so then we look and look through our chulas, we look at our cohort that's upcoming this next year, which is a majority of people of color, and we look to other signs to help us understand whether or not eventually our leadership is going to become more racial and ethnically diverse. And the real goal of this entire thing was to talk more about our senior levels of leadership, which is a whole bunch of older white men sitting in a room with Leslie and Mandy. Now, again, long-term, what does it look like for that group to be racially and ethnically representative and, uh, of our body? Those, that's really what we're trying to get to. But guys, those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And uh, someone asked me, uh, you know, uh, in the survey, actually, they said, I don't know why it's a good idea to have one more white person coming on staff with Garrett. And I'm like, you know, the only thing more, in my mind, more insulting than not having a racially ethnic diverse staff is having a token racially and ethnic diverse staff where you just accept people because of their color only, and it's obvious to everyone, because the problem is, and this was mentioned in the survey, let's say that we have a group of people in our church that are from, I don't know, India. Let's just go with that. If we find one person who's Indian and put them on staff, they may or may not have much of a connection to the Indian people in our church. When you only have in of one, one person that's supposed to represent all these other people, you get into some real trouble with that, right? And so there's, this is, it can become very, very, very tricky. Um, let's move on with this, uh, this survey here. Number two, <laughs> high five. Number two, uh, the intro gave good reasons. Uh, I'm not going to go through this too much other than to say that, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on that. Uh, Grant wrote that and got a lot of feedback from people of color in our church um, and people, for the most part, this is going to be continual. Shake your hand. All right. Hey, Kike. This is Kike, everybody. Hi, Kike. I love that attention. Um, but you see the numbers there, right? He's hiding from mom and dad. Uh, so four five four two four two five four one four point four. For the most part, people were uh, kind of on the same page with that. I don't want to talk too much about that, other than um, you know people had a lot of good feedback about uh, about that. So let's do three. 
So DNC's senior leadership's ability to effectively minister to its congregation is stunted by the overrepresentation of white people in senior leadership. We had a lot of people get upset about the questions, like being too hard or like there's another way you could phrase this. Sorry, that's mostly my fault because uh, I did very much an academic, uh, you know, question asking time. <laughs> get you up again. Um, so, whoa. Uh-oh, dad's coming to get you. <laughs> So if you see, <laughs> oh, oh, be careful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Love it. We're a family. This is what happens. Family times. So um, these numbers, again, there is a slight kind of downtick when you see uh, the Latino response here. But for the most, yeah. Oh, is it wrong? What is it doing? Is it behind my head now? Oh. What? No? Yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. Boom. Nailed it. So, in terms of the actual responses that we got on that one, okay. Um, so, let's talk about this idea of talking about racial and ethnic issues further divide us. Okay? Because we've heard this a lot, um, that when you talk about it, it divides you. I, <laughs> I can't use that as an example, I don't think. Um... Yeah, no. Leslie's saying if I, no. Uh, you know, that, that's always an interesting one. I've heard this argued a lot. Like if you talk about, you know, uh, gay rights or people being gay, people are more likely to be gay. <laughs> um, and uh, sort of it's a weird kind of argument, although I do understand when you talk about things too much or overemphasize, uh, people can begin to sort of falsely think that this is the major issue and this is the thing that we ought to always be talking about. And so in that sense, I kind of do uh, understand. Um, so the, the, um, this question in terms of, uh, I kind of got lost a little bit here, but change it. Yes, okay. So is the idea of whose voice kind of matters here and how can we possibly do what needs to be done in terms of um, developing people of color into disciples if we have a white staff? Does that really stunt us or keep us from doing that? And the simple question is some people are on the yes side, some people are on the no side, but most people sort of fall in the middle. Like, I'm not really for sure. Is this really an issue that we need to be concerned about uh, or talking about? And I'll simply say what I said about Paul at the beginning. Um, yes, there is this sense in this survey that white people are more concerned in our church than the rest of people of color are. And that's kind of concerning for one reason, and that's because that concern isn't ultimately lived out of experience. It's gotten from people around them who are talking to them about it, or maybe worse, been planted as an idea so that white people can be saviors for all people of color. <laughs> we don't want to be there. And, um, and so that's one of the things I was interested in this survey. Is this really something that some of our white people are saying as a result of their uh, hearing lived experiences from people around them? Or is it simply something that they've been told and are advocating so as to get ahead of history, be on the right side? And I don't think that's what we want to do. Uh, we want to be honest with our opinions and our thoughts uh, and not just say things that we don't live out or believe. And so in that sense, I think uh, I understand, um, you know, how, how that can prevent us from doing certain things and understanding people's perspective. If we've decided that all we have to do is believe certain things right 
and then we don't have to listen to anybody around us. Because sometimes the people of color in our church are speaking the other voice, the one that's not so liberal and woke, and we're not listening because we've decided that this must be the perspective that they have. And we need to be very careful about that. Okay? The overrepresentation of white people in senior leadership as a result of barriers related to race that dissuade people of color from joining. Okay? Um, yeah, again, this is an issue of representation and barriers. Um, we've got a lot of people of color in our various teams. In fact, we've never looked at this, uh, but I think most of our teams uh, do a far better job of reflecting our church. Um, again, even this cohort this next year, uh, which is, we have four people, three of them are people of color. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then I think the other thing about this question in particular is it's talking about various barriers let me just tell you one barrier that I think is very possible in some of our other churches, maybe not so much among you guys who are more educated, but a lot of us guys are bivocational ministers. We're not just a full-time pastor. What that means is we've got to be able to have a pretty good economic backdrop in our other job. And we know that people of, of color, in particular black people in our society, don't have some of that safety net, and that disables them from even being able to do something that would be bivocational. And that's important. That's a factor that goes into thinking about some barriers that we may not have ever thought about before, okay? And so I just mentioned that as one. Uh, now, does that apply to poor white people too? Yes, absolutely. But not in, on the whole like it applies to some of, uh, you know, our people of color in our church, okay? And so that's one that I think, uh, again, you see the responses here. They're all pretty much similar except for our Latino uh, response there. And, uh, you know, what does that mean? It means that we have, uh, that the majority of our responses from our Latino group were a little bit more, um, I won't say conservative because that's not fair, uh, but just less concerned about, uh, you know, these issues of uh, um, something changing about our leadership. Okay. There are barriers, number five, related to race that prevent me from being able to see myself ever joining senior leadership. Okay. Uh, so again, this one makes the most amount of sense here. Uh, black people are more likely to say this and then mixed people as well. And then Asian, Latino, and white people much less likely, uh, to say that. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of other stuff, though, too, because one of those things was that there were both race and did you have other things, things like, well, I'm openly gay, or uh, things like I, there's no way I could financially you know, afford to do bivocational stuff, like I mentioned. Um, stuff like, um, uh, there were just a, a variety of other things. Uh, one of the, there were, some, there were some odd ones on this one, but you know what, we don't have time to go into it, let's, so let's just keep going. All right, six. There are things about DNC that make it difficult long-term church home for people of color. Um, so again, we've got this situation here where, I mean, Asian people and Latino people are pretty low on that. Mixed black and white all have a sense in the middle, though, that this can be uh, kind of a difficult place um, to be. All right? Uh, the one thing that I heard a lot when talking about belonging is this sense of I feel included and I feel like I belong. Okay, and um, I'll, I'll tell you, this is hard for me, again, as a white person to, to, you know, think about 
being in an environment and feeling like I don't belong because of my color of race. I've been to places I don't feel belong because people were just unfriendly or I was too young or too old or whatever. So I have that sense. But to feel that simply by, um, you know, your color, that's a really hard one for me to possibly think about. Um, one of the other ones was our worship, okay? And our worship being, you know, pretty white, whatever that means. Um, one of the things I'm going to trick the BIPOC team into doing is actually helping us do worship uh, so that we can think through uh, some of what that means. Although, again, I would challenge you on worship being white. I mean, yeah, okay, that's an aspect of our service, but it's like our least important part of how we do church and our small groups and our LTGs and things like that. And man, I am so ready for our worship not to be as white as soon as someone explains to me what that possibly means. Um, no, I, I kind of get it. Uh, dating, um, you know, in our, in our culture, there not being enough opportunities for people of color. And one of the interesting examples that was given was, uh, and this is where things I think just get kind of nitpicky, guys, is someone said something about the, the uh, a lament service we did for George Floyd and that being kind of weird. It was more of a lament service for white people and, and it didn't really, because black people had already been mourning. Literally that service was suggested by people of color. So you see the position that sometimes we are in as leadership is, you know, someone suggests something and then other people assume that it was white people who decided to do it and then we get kind of thrown under the bus. <laughs> and so, but there, there are those things and that's fine. It's obviously not a big deal and I'm not complaining as if like, you know, um, I need less of that or something. It's just a tricky situation, I think, that, uh, that we're in sometimes. You know, uh, this need to feel included, um, the, the best, uh, I think, explanation of this in, in my own understanding was in question seven. Uh, there are things about DNC that make a difficult long-term church home for people of my racial and ethnic group. This is by large... And, and the only question that white people are significantly lower than everybody else, that should tell us something about the question before, which is white people in our church just simply don't have to think about being white. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. It's just they don't have to. Everybody's response, literally, I had like eight responses that were just, I am white, I am white, I am white, which is to say you've explained that I don't need to answer this question. I'm white. I feel comfortable here by default. So hopefully some of you who answer like that can understand how some people, because they don't have that default, would think differently about how they feel included uh, or not. Hope, hopefully. Uh, so a shortcoming of DNC is it treats white culture as a norm. Uh, again, everyone's for the most part on the same page there. DNC suffers from, uh, from failing to incorporate theological or philosophical insights from non-white traditions. Um, I, I, white people are really strongly saying we're doing this too much. So I don't, but also we're the same people that were like, I don't really know any other sources or, uh, and by the way, Grant uh, came up with a long list of different podcasts, books that we'll, we're going to publish today uh, uh, that people recommended during this survey. Things that you can go out and look through ranging from short things, activities, all the way to like longer and more research uh, oriented books and things uh, like that. Okay. So, questions you have about our survey. We've got five minutes, and then we're going to end because we've gone long today. And it really doesn't even have to be questions. It can just be challenges uh, and, uh, and, you know, kind of thoughts. But I hope that you will uh, present them humbly and understanding that uh, at best, guys, you know, many of us just don't, we can't possibly um, fully understand every time what someone's thinking, feeling, and understanding. And so we listen and we think through it. And just like when people share spiritual things, we kind of counter those when they need to be countered.
But any questions, challenges, thoughts? Yeah. The what response ones? Open-ended ones? Yeah, I mean, it's just hard because it's, we'd have to go back through the data and cut out the names. Because, you know, it's supposed to be anonymous. And so we don't, you know, uh, or there's a handful of us at this point that have read them. And we just don't want to, you know, so it'd be hard. But yeah, you could. I mean, maybe I'll come up, feel over the sabbatical. Oh, no, I can't do anything over the sabbatical. So no, I can't. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, we'll figure that out. If you really want to read them, you got to be on the BIPOC team. So see ya. <laughs> 54. 54. Yeah, we had like 27. And then I got on there and, you know, kind of, yeah. Handled up, and then uh, we, uh, we got some more respondents, so it was pretty good. Comments or questions before we end? Well, it's true. It's, uh, you know, when I'm talking representative, we're talking just numbers. Um, one of the activities I did with my class pretty early on um, in sociology was I would try to get people to come up with as many white stereotypes as they could. <laughs> And uh, I mean, it was always fun. I mean, it was a, a, an entire you know chalkboard of really offensive things. But it was always much easier to come up with stereotypes for people of color because most of us experience groups where we're the majority, and so it's easier to pinpoint when one person does something, it kind of sticks to them. Whereas you know, like try to talk about all whites being rednecks. I mean, you know, you, you meet a couple of whites and you're going to realize they're not redneck. Well, it's by just the the environment that we live anywhere you go you know, you, you have the ability usually as a white person to be in the majority with other people around you. And so, yes, I think there's a technical representation, but then there's also a felt representation. And imagine yourself on the other end of that, almost everywhere you go, you're in an environment with people who aren't your same color. And that's one of the ideas that we're, I think, trying to get even our culture to understand from a white vantage point is you often get that by default. And does that really, you know, forget about our, the American dream, does that really, um, you know, make sense of what God is trying to do in the world? Because the majority of people in our world are not white. So, yeah, we've got that in our society, but if we're living as kingdom people, we've got to recognize just how uh, that really doesn't speak uh, of the community of God. It might speak of our nation and our society, um, but it doesn't of the community of God. So yes, there's a felt representation that I think some of us really need to understand because the technical representation is like the minimum level and we're not even meeting that yet. <laughs> so there's a felt representation uh, that I think uh, needs to happen. Hopefully that clarified it. It's an excellent point. One more, are we good? Okay, well, let me just say one thing and I'm gonna speak primarily to those of you who are white. Um, you know, it, it's time for us to just be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, you know, people of color have been uncomfortable for a long time in our society and are. And so just because you feel uncomfortable and having conversations or you feel like you're going to say the wrong thing uh, or, you know, just kind of lean into that because it's okay. It's fine. Um, we can do that um, for our brothers and sisters of color and just for, you know, God to be able to communicate that to other people. Uh, so, Yeah. You want to say a prayer to end us? Can you say thank you, God? Wham wham. Okay. All right, I'm gonna put you down. Okay, now. All right, I'm gonna say a prayer. God, thank you for our church and for who you brought. Uh, help us to reflect you and your kingdom, uh, and how much you uh, you love the world. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. 
We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.